0: Hello and welcome to the preview, it's the preview of Celtic uh, versus Rangers in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup, we are just 24 hours away from it, 25 hours away from it, we are recording at half past 12 uh, UK time, I am joined as always by, if it's a big game, you've got to get the, the big the big guys in, it's uh, Callum Gordon, hello Callum, how are you?
1: I'm good mate, thank you very much for having me, looking forward to this. Lovely stuff, um, how
0: are you feeling Callum? Uh, We try to take the temperature of everyone Obviously this is a massive, massive game Um, As we say, we're about 24-25 hours out from it How are you feeling? Uh,
1: Weirdly calm and I don't like it Um, It feels odd Um, You know, the whole week build up and everything, taking everything in Um, The nerves still haven't really hit yet and I know fine well that I wake up tomorrow morning and it'll hit me like a ton of bricks but I, I have so much sort of faith and trust in this Einsight um and their ability to go out and get, get the job done that actually the lead up to the last few derbies have been quite you know calm for me because you know I do have that sort of total faith and trust um that they'll get that they'll get everything right. Um so I it will definitely change tomorrow morning, but right now I'm I am i am feeling okay about it.
0: It's kinda of weird that isn't it? Like the fact that you you kind of do have a lot of trust and faith in the play. Not that we haven't had trust and faith in p- players and managers previously, but this one's almost a sort of complete trust. Like they'll figure it out and you know, we may not necessarily play well, but they'll they'll do it. They'll get it done. And you know, having come in th- having come through a League Cup final against them, um obviously having done the business in the league, it's it's weirdly refreshing, Gallum.
1: Yeah. Um no I think if we turn up and play even close to our capabilities um, we're a much better team man for man I don't think there's any Rangers players that would get in our starting 11 never mind squad um, but you know it's a one-off cup game and anything can happen and I've seen enough disasters over the years to far poorer Rangers sides or terrible players like Bert Contemann or <laughs> Hugo Egegog popping up with overhead kicks in the last minute uh, to so, aye. I'm never, you know, fully confident or fully relaxed going into going into these games. Um, but you know, as you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, I've been pretty, pretty relaxed this week. And that is because this side, every time uh you know, every time they're faced with a challenge or you know they really need to go to the well, they they seem to, you know, they seem to come through it. Um, and it's almost like having that muscle memory of. Um, you know, whether whether it's been derbies or, or just big domestic tests, um, you know, very rarely have they disappointed us and I think it's great to have that to to fall back on and, and on the flip side of things, you know, I think we're at the point where if we win tomorrow you've got a real sort of psychological stranglehold uh over your big biggest rivals. Um and I think that will be in the back of their minds too. Um so really it is just a case of going out and, and doing the business. Um but it's never necessarily that simple
0: no exactly i just uh bloody scottish cup semi-final um in regards to how you're feeling about them um fuck them in it
1: i i want, well i wanted to completely embarrass them and you know um playing them so so close together um you know, it reminds me obviously of that uh, brilliant sort of few weeks we had under Brendan Rodgers when we beat them uh, in the Cup and then went to Ibrox and embarrassed them as well. Um, I think that despite the results improving under Beal any time I've watched them, they don't strike me as a particularly... Dangerous side, um, relatively well organised, but there's nothing you look at and think that's really interesting, whether it's tactically or in terms of personnel, the players that they've got. There's not, there's nobody you point to and think I'm really terrified of coming up against them. And you know, a few years ago that was a, a, quite different. Um, now you look at them and um, there's there's nothing that really stands out to me uh, as a, as a major danger point. Um, Willie Collins. Worries me far far more than that Rangers side, um, but it's a it's a cup game, and I, th- I think it will be will be tight. Um, I'm not expecting us to run away with it. Um, but aye, I, that that Rangers side doesn't really really worry me at all. Um, but we'll see. Uh,
0: where will you be watching the game? Uh, I'll be at the game. You know, I um... Chris, Chrissy, I think Boud's house is like right beside Hamden. So literally you, you walk out Boud's door and you're at the Selic end, which is fantastic. So me and Paul and Boud and, and our good friend Andy will kind of be doing that. Uh, what about yourself? for you be with the Buckfast crew?
1: I will be aye. It's usually a good good crowd then for um, bigger games. You know, Celtic Angels always get at least 50 odd people, uh, usually a few... Stag those, uh, and as well, although we sent them to a different Irish pub last time because it was too full and um, it was, you know, turns into absolute chaos at times. One of them had apparently messaged uh, Stefan, the owner of the pub, saying, Is it all right if we bring a stripper in at half time? <laughs> um, and they had to politely tell them to to go to a different pub. Um, so, not it was hopefully busy, but not too busy. Good atmosphere, looking forward to it. Uh, Few drinks, um, a few more drinks after, hopefully, to celebrate. Um, but I, it does feel like that sort of that that last real hurdle in our season. Um, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful to who, whichever team would potentially be playing in the final, but you know, this is the final real test, and I think that informs a lot of you know the thinking and mentality going into the, going into the game. You know, you can really empty the tank because the league's all a bit wrapped up. Um, you know, you've potentially then only got a final to focus on. Um, at the start of June um, so it's why with players like Hattati and Jota that I'm sure we will come on to um, I don't mind if we, we risk them and break them or anything like that you know for me this is the final real hurdle we need to get over in our season
0: I absolutely can not agree more um, let's go to uh, the um, opposition scouting analysis uh, here's uh, Christian Wolfe <laughs> Joining me now as always is uh, Christian Wolf as we do some opposition analysis and look at how potentially Rangers are gonna line up. You know, we have covered Rangers quite a lot over the last couple of weeks. We've played them quite a lot. Um we'll, we'll still kinda of go through the kind of the fundamentals of how we think we're gonna play and stuff. But Christian, has anything happened over the last couple of weeks since obviously that game at Celtic Park? Any changes or anything from their point of view?
2: No, Something that will impact fundamentally. I do think the one constant in these games that won't be there is seemingly Ryan Kent, unless he makes a miraculous return. So so that'll be the I think the one tweak obviously jacks out, so but I think that's a pretty straight sw- swap for full instrument. So I think Ryan Kent is the only thing within that. But and we'll get into this in the details. I think the last Derby. Will probably, be, uh, I reckon, a, a template for being how he wants to do it this time as well. Um,
0: obviously there was a lot of kind of kudos thrown Rangers' way, you know, trying to stop us playing stuff, and you know, ultimately we we won that game. So essentially, you know, maybe not at our best, we still kind of came across. If Celtic turn up and are on their best, do you think his game plan will be as effective? Do you think how much how much of it is to do with maybe Celtic not being as efficient and as kind of fluid as they usually were on that day compared to how much they actually stopped does what's the balance do you think
2: I think there was definitely a balance of that because there was <laughs> moments on the for players on the ball specifically and this, okay, let's not pick on them again but Aaron Moy for example um a had, have a few horrible first touches um, watching the game back, it takes me a couple of once as well, although I think it was effective in other ways. So, uh, Celtic didn't help themselves no. uh, to a large part. And I think there is, you know, watching, from a sense I watched the game back again, and I think there is, even within that game, you, you can see there's opportunities to exploit. And even if French is set up, to, up the same way, and, and And Celtic's not 100%. There is still enough there, I think. So, to answer your question, if Celtic, quote-unquote, turn up, if they keep doing what they've been doing towards the best of their abilities, it will take something very special for them not to win, I think. I I think that's the the dynamic between the teams. Right now, it's that way. So, yeah, no. But Celtic haven't, again... "Quote unquote," turned up in probably two of the last three to some degree, yeah. and they've still got results. But it's—I think there's only so many times you can do that without not getting the result.
0: Uh, I know, I completely agree, and I think that's the the, the thing. Like uh, we were talking on the weekly yesterday about you know the the performance against Motherwell and how it's a little bit flat and maybe not as is obviously performing as well as we we could have. I personally think that's maybe a the perfect time for that to happen. Um, what's your kind of take on that?
2: Well, well, being the contrarian that I am, uh, obviously, I was okay with the Motherwell game. I was, I was quite pleased with a lot of it because I think Motherwell did some some interesting tweaks and they did really well. But while the goals didn't really come, I thought there was a lot of positives in the play from Celtic. So, but as you say, having that kind of result and ranges results on top of that is kind of where you kind of go, okay, you've not, you lower the expectations, but if it's, you know, do you want to call it a wake-up call or, or a sharpening of kind of minds that you, you need to, you need to do the right things at the right time? It's you know, uh, looking back. Yeah. I've, to you some, but at, at the same point, as I said, I, I, I think, the fundamentals were still there and the basics were still there and a lot of stuff was still working maybe uh, under the radar. So overall, I'm looking back quite pleased for that weekend and how it turned out because still need to come and do the same things now, but leading up to it, I think it's been a really good lead up in that way. Uh, ironically, even. Uh,
0: did you watch or did you see any of the game at Petaudry? Um, The Rangers game just because...
2: Yeah, I, I dipped in and out. Um, especially when there's they're up to 2-0. they um, just put Ravidi pure on the ball. Yeah. There were so many I think <laughs> a bit like Celtic and, and there were so many mistakes on the ball, like you know Tavernia had some shocking passes, you know, a couple other shocking passes from the back as well, and, and they uh, you know and we'll get to this, but I think they are a team who's actually not that comfortable in possession I mean, in, in, in a lot of ways. And I think they get away with a lot of stuff in domestically because I it could have better players, but they're really not great in position at all.
0: Yeah. Um, see, on just we can you can start kind of telling us how you think they're going to line up and stuff, but see, with no Ryan Kent, I always sometimes think a guy like that who hasn't performed particularly well in derbies, I've, I've seen this for both Celtic and Rangers, um, he, be- he becomes a bit of an albatross, Around maybe the the manager's neck because they kind of feel like they have to pick him. Is the fact that he's not available better for Rangers?
2: No, I, I get what you mean. I, I think the thing with Kent is that he does have qualities that when he's on it, yeah. if you want to call it that, he he can be you know a, a good weapon for them. You know, uh, out of possession, you know, he's he's got an in. in intensity about his pressing and he's he's, you know, he could be quite good, like, drifting into space, especially if, if Rangers has, like, counter attacks to, like, pick up the ball and, and send it directly. So I don't mind he's out, to be honest with you, because I think what you essentially replace him with is well, compared to the last game, is probably Sakawa and you put essentially Tillman down in his place. And I think Tillman is another player who can be I don't want to call him a luxury player, but I think it's also, he can't, he, he's not far off in that he can be creative and quite dangerous in and around the box. But up until that point, I think you get more out of Kent, both like in possession and out of possession, especially the, the way Rangers has tried to play that is, is quite correct. So if you ask me, did you want Ryan Kent to, to play And that? I, I think I'd rather he doesn't play because I think if, if he, if he does have a good game, he has the qualities to hurt you, whereas I, tell, I think Tillman is, is slightly different.
0: Uh, watching that Aberdeen game in that second half, I think um, Tillman was in the final third and uh, he was given a pass and he was he was tackled and it was a fair tackle. I think it was Johnny Hayes, like a fair tackle on him. And to see the amount of time, like he th- looked up at the referee, threw his arms up, and the amount of time it took for him to get off the ground. Yeah, I can imagine the, the Rangers fans going wild because if that was a Celtic player taking that long and looking at the referee as if to say. Why aren't you doing more? Um, so yeah, I think luxury player, uh, definitely someone who maybe doesn't work as hard uh, to get back defensively.
2: And, and I think especially in their system where it's just so much, it's about directness. And especially when they play Celtic, you have to do so much running yeah. out of position. I think put him in all this. See, even put him in Celtic, yeah, he'll have to run more. But you can see his kind of qualities coming into uh, more into play in, in in our kind of system, their system. So, in that sense, I think he is a little bit of a luxury player. But there's it, no point denying that he has qualities, in, uh, and he, he can hurt you around the box. But up until that point, it, you know, it's it's a little bit different.
0: Um, so, how do you think they're going to line up? Will it be the four-two-two-two two, two again?
2: So, I find see the dynamic of these games. I find interesting in that we know what. Everybody kind of knows what to expect from Celtic, right? In possession. So they'll build up from the back, they'll keep the ball on the floor. You have players changing positions. They move around to find pockets of space, or they move around to create pockets of space. So but the ultimate goal for Celtic is get behind the defensive line, often in those kind of like half spaces, and then the crosses in. And if an opponent go very low, like Aberdeen. You need to create from around the box, but most teams is a little bit higher. So and out outer possession, I think you know what you get with Celtic as well. Like you get hard pressing, you get uh from the front a 244 four press. Only maybe slight tweak. you see it's, it's like one of the two front men will one of them sit specifically on like the deeper pivot on the other team. But overall, you know what to get. With Rangers, I just find them a lot more reactive, especially on the be Like I feel that Celtic set up to beat their opponent, but it doesn't matter who their opponent is. Yeah, they have their style. Whereas Rangers set up in these games to beat Celtic, like they don't. Okay, they have a style, but it's very much about lots of tactical changes, especially after possession, to kind of tailor to their opponent. Whereas Celtic's a lot more straightforward. So, and in possession, it's it's less about control for them and more about directness. So. so I had a quick look at it. See the last three derbies, Celtic has had 57, 55, and 55% of the possession. But the five previous derbies, which were all under Van Bronckhurst, Rangers had the most possession, right? So three last ones on the bill, Celtic had more possession. Five before that, under Geo, Rangers had more possession. And uh, um, you mentioned that. but then you, you look back saying, see the seven derbies before that again, one under Ange and six under Lennon, when it was Gerard slash Beale. Celtic had the most possession again. So I, I think that's kind of a trend where Beale is a lot more comfortable kind of trying to like stop an opponent and not have the ball as much. Whereas Van Broekers kind of tried to keep the, mole, the ball a bit more. So I, I think. And the other talk would be like giving up a position, but having these like big tactical switches. So, to kind of try and break this into two, because as I said, Celtic need to perform, they need to do their thing, but you roughly know what they're going to do, right? Like, you're not going to be any, you know, it's it's not going to be Cal McGregor, left back, is it? Um, so, so, you kind of look at, okay, how. His range is going to set up. How are they going to do this? And I think out of possession, because he's going to have so much possession, is the really interesting stuff. And he, this is where his field's been all over, all over the place. Because he's, he's been switching all the time, all the last three dogs. Let me take you down memory road, Christopher. And um, so you're excited about it. And um, in January, so they had their block was from the front, a two, one, three, four. So he had Morales, Sakala on top. He had Kent behind that, sitting right at McGurder. And Tillman and Kamara as the number eights. And Lundstrom was the free player to pick up any open players. Right? And how did that work? Well, I think Celtic kind of picked it off, as long as especially Greg Taylor on the pitch. He stayed wide, and he was able to find Hatati and Matt O'Reilly behind Rangers' defensive line again and again. And then we know what happens. It gets a bit chaotic. Taylor goes off, Juranovic, and, you know, Still gets through, so, so in the cup final, Beal switches. Like so he instead he goes for more like a 3-3-4 three, three, and he puts Kent Morales and Sakala on top. Kamara and Tillman are still the number eights. And Lundstrom is still the free player. Well now he's also tasked to jump on McGregor instead of Kent sitting on. And how did that work? Well, it didn't because um Taylor, Johnston, and McGregor. They found Hatate and Aramoy time and a time again in that space between the midfield and defensive line. Yeah. And it was mostly because Lindstrom was tasked with jumping up on McGregor. and he, like, he just doesn't have the legs to then cover Hatate and Moy when Kamara and Tillman rushed out wide on the fullbacks. So then he's changed it again. So I thought before the last step, okay, he's going to go back to like a 2-1-3-4 and put someone on McGregor. But Beale does something else again. And this is what it comes to in terms of reactive and tactical changes. I bet Michael Beale loves this stuff. I bet he loves sitting and looking at, you know, tactics board and what he's going to do. What a freak. <laughs> who, who would love that? You know, um, so he goes for a two, four, four on the front. So he puts Morales and Tillman on top and Kent. And then he goes for like a midfield four. So he has Kent and uh, Cantwell at wide, Raskin and Jack in the middle. Tillman, one of the strikers, essentially, cover McGregor. So what you have done is the Rangers' midfield four, covering Celtics' two number eight, so uh, Aaron Moy, Matt O'Reilly, and also the fullbacks. And you talk about how that worked. I think it's overall quite effective in that set phase, right? And what we talked about, that was part of the down to Celtic. Celtic still find a way. So the big question, uh, Christopher, uh, well, I take a deep breath. Is Will Beal kind of repeat finally what he did in the last game, or will he tweak it again? So I, I think that's that's we can go into why I think he will keep it, or and why what I think Celtic can do it. But I think that's the main question here: Is he going to tweak it again?
0: Uh, you know, talk i mentioned this on the weekly, but you know, talking to Brian. Brian was uh, at the Celtic International. Uh, coaching um, seminar and he was talking about how uh, John Kennedy was doing a kind of speech about um, different things and he was talking about how Celtic focus more on style and philosophy um, Mm -hmm. but they make obviously tweaks and he was talking about how against that Kilmarnock game they intentionally played Iwata and McGregor together because they Mm -hmm. knew that Kilmarnock would try and mark McGregor and Kamarak in game didn't know who to mark because essentially we were playing with two number six. Is that potentially uh, a way around that?
2: Yes. So I was, I, I was going to lead up to that because hold that for because I'm going to get back to that because I think, and I think that's where, as I said, I think Peel is quite an obsessive of these things. So so he would have looked at that Kamaruk game because Kamarock did go. For, Roughly went the four four two. Yeah. Right? And it almost tried to replicate Rangers, which was a good testing ground for Celtic because if you bring in Ivata there, you bring in an unknown element to that. So I do wonder um if Beale is gonna do a little tweak based on Ivata. Because say if Hatati was injury free, um, or we knew it was gonna be Aaron Moy, we then know it's McGregor in the pivot. And we know who the number eights are because it's Matt O'Reilly and Hatati or Moy or, or some combination. And so you look at that last thing, you think, will Beal repeat this? And I think he will, largely, because and I'm gonna try to, I know I overcomplicate these things sometimes, but I'm gonna make it as, as the differences between those three things. Try to like break it down, make it as simple as I can. Um In the first two derbies, because Rangers had a midfield tree, right, it requires the two number eights, which was Tillman and Kamara, to make one specific decision all the time. See when the ball goes out to the Celtic fullbacks on either side and they go behind the front two. So neither of the front two is able to run out and, say, press Greg Taylor. The Rangers number eight, and if if we're talking about Celtics left-hand side, it will be Tillman on that side usually, he had to decide, do I stay on my man, which is Ria Hatati, um, or do I run out and press the fullback? If you don't run out and press the fullback, Greg Taylor will have a lot of space. He can bring the ball up. He can be dangerous. If you do make the decision to run out and press the fullback, it triggers another thing, right? It triggers another Rangers player's player to cover the player Tillman has left, so Rio Hatati. So there's like this kind of rotation where rangers have to hand off one player to a teammate. And if that's Rio Hatati, like you're usually in trouble. And that's where they really struggle in th- those first two derbies, in that kind of rotation. Because especially in the cup final, as it was Lundstrom was asked to do McGregor, and then if Tillman ran out to Taylor, he had to run all the way back to try and cover Rio Hatati or Ironman. He just couldn't. It's difficult enough if you actually have legs. If you don't have legs, like John Lundstrom is even so but in the last derby, what he did, that decision was taken away from the midfielders as well because they had a midfield four. So there were no decisions to be made, right? You didn't need to leave one man to press another if the ball went wide because they had four in the midfield. Yeah. So the central mids, Raskin and Jack, stayed on Moy on the rally. And the wide players, Kent and Cantwell, stayed on Celtics fullbacks. So there wasn't that dynamic, that rotation That had created so much space for Celtic. So, Celtic had to work harder. They had to be more inventive to find the player in space, especially in that space between the midfield line and the defensive line. So, and then combined with Celtic, then, you know, some of the players not having a great day on the ball. They maybe weren't brave enough, incisive enough in the passing. That's why formation worked right. So so I think Beal will kind of try and replicate that and take away that decision from the number eights. But as we said, finally, we're getting here. The joke in that is obviously Ivata, right? Because if with him playing, it's difficult to know who the pivot is for Celtic. Yeah. So initially, that can cause some initial confusion among the Rangers' front too. Do they sit on Whoever's currently sitting in the middle, or did you just stick with one player? So, do you tell Sakala, if he plays on top with Morelos, sit on McGregor? Or do you tell him, sit on whoever is dropping deep? Is it, if it's Ivata, sit on him. So that can lead to confusion. But the other point, like, as, as you said, like Jack Kent, he said, if you then put, if Ivata falls down beside McGregor, when Celtic is, is building up, what does Raskin Olinström do? Yeah. Right? Do they jump up and try to cover McGregor and help cover McGregor? And, and then if they do that, then you have the potential to create space behind them. So uh, so then you think, uh, Michael Beale will sit and think about that, right? And he says, I reckon he'll then try and come up with something like, if they go with a double pivot, they'll do this. But then he's a risk of kind of taking away the things that worked last time, like not having those players make that decision and not change. Because if you try to do that, there'll be some element of, okay, I'm going to leave my player, you take him. I think in, in that kind of space, the Celtic can do it. So, so I think that's... The Ivata question is, is interesting, because I think we all want Ria Hatati back, right? But
0: it seems at the same un- time... It seems unlikely. I mean, it really does seem unlikely that he'll play.
2: And 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 while... You'd want him on the pitch. If you have a player like Ivata there that you kind of don't know if a six or an eight, that can create that confusion within ranges.
0: Yeah, I, I, th- I would. You know, I, we were talking about this, you know, over the last couple of days about, you know, uh, uh you know, a not a fully fit Hatati, or you know, do you go with who you've got? I probably would go with who we've got. I would go a Wata, McGregor, and O'Reilly. I think that's, I think that's the way to win this game.
2: I think so as well. If Hatat is on the bench, like, great. you know. And if he plays, if he starts, you know, I'm not going to complain, but it'd be interesting to see then how that dynamic works. Because I, I, th- I think there is things Celtic can do, right, even within that. And what what happened last time right, is that Rangers also pushed the, the back line quite high, but they don't press that high. At the front, as we talk about, they're more concerned about... You know, I've, I've been... under From Brokers, they pressed a lot higher, and a lot more. And yeah, I think you can see that in the ball possession because Celtic had to go long quite a bit and were forced to go long. Yeah. But with Beale, they kind of sit back a bit, but they pushed the defensive line. up. Oh, so what happened? Essentially, logically, there's a l- l- very little space, uh, especially the space between Celtic uh, Rangers midfield line and back line. There's hardly no space. So do so you think, okay... What can you do then? I think there's one space within that. If Rangers do roughly the same thing that can be exploited. It's the space behind the strikers and in front of the midfield line. Because if there's inherent weakness there, like when one of the strikers is covering McGregor, because there was one point in the first half in the last derby. AJ had the ball out wide and it looks like he's going to pass to CCB. And Tillman... Starts running up against c c v but I think Ha kind of sees it, and he instead, because Tillman then runs up on c c v sends the ball into McGregor, and he's he's in acres of space because he's behind Tillman, and especially with Celtics are pushing quite high up, Raskin and Jack is far back, right? So there's this huge space for McGregor to run into. McGregor takes the ball up the whole pitch because he's that good, and I think that's you know the the chance that Jota has a shot of McGregor, so he, there's an inherent weakness in when you strike your when you strike and he's covering the deep pivot. But also, see, there's so many times looking back. See if the first pass from the centre back or Celtic full back if they can't reach McGregor. So, so that's you know that's the goal for Rangers. You know they want to stop that first passing lane to McGregor. But Celtic can utilize. That space in another way. See, simply like a simple bounce ball. So, so many times in the last derby, Greg Taylor came inwards. Now, when he came in, was, he was pressured because he had a dedicated man on him, so he wouldn't really have the time to receive the ball and turn in the middle. So, a lot of the times, he didn't get the ball from Carl Starfeld. When he got the ball from Starfield, he kind of he kind of went a bit more back because he was pressured. But there's so many times that if you can get somebody on Greg Taylor on the ball when it comes inwards, see a one-touch bounce ball to Callum McGregor would have left him in so much space because of the way range is set up. So it doesn't have to be from Taylor if, if AJ comes in and bounce ball. So while you can't reach McGregor with that first pass from the centre-back or the full-backs, see a, a quick one-two, I, I, I think that can be... Because then you can get McGregor in that space in front of the midfield and then you trigger a decision from the number eight, okay, do I jump up on McGregor here? Or do I stay with my, my play? Because if you if you stay with your your Celtics number eight, McGregor can can run. He can find a pass in the half spaces behind. If you jump on him, suddenly number eight is free. So it's it, there's things they can do even that. But then you bring in Nevada into that as well. So if you can get Nevada and or McGregor on the ball in front of the midfield tree or something So it becomes a bit like chess at the start, right? And to do that, but I think there is, even if Beale goes the same way, there's things within that that Celtic can exploit. Although there's not much of that usual space between the midfield line and the strikers, where someone like Greg Taylor and Johnston will try to find the number eights because they run behind the midfield line, there might be a lot of space in front of them that you can exploit.
0: Superb. Um... Yeah, um, this is a you know huge game um, on Sunday, the semi-final. Uh, confident, Christian?
2: Yeah, yes. I I, I think there's a, a case of for Celtic. It's it's as simple as you know they they need to do this properly because you saw what happens last time if if they don't do it, like you can't come unstuck, right? So I think Ivata's impact on that, his his like his movement and having that fluidity, I think is a good kind of chess move if you want, to kinda upset what Rangers managed to do last time. Um you still need center backs to do fast crisp passing, you need movement, you need players who, who are brave on the ball. And then you need if if Beale tries to tweak something before Iwata, you see okay the, the range um has to kinda the players have to have to respond to that and make decisions. So so overall I quite confident. I mean the other kind of tactical element to this is what will Rangers do in possession? And I don't think I have to spend lots of time on it. But the other big tactical change from for last time, right? Was that they tried to play out. Rangers tried to play out against Celtic. And we've talked a lot about Celtic not being able to train as much on their organized press. Because never get to do it, so they can become a little bit rusty. Mm-hmm. They can become a bit sloppy because they get away with things domestically. But when Rangers tried to play out last time, here's the thing: they weren't very good at it. <laughs> slash, slash, Celtic did a really good job in the press. So it yeah. kind of hit me like we've been worried. I say we, I, I've been worried about Celtic not getting a lot of training after possession and them getting a bit rusty. But then kind of hit me. Rangers really never get that training in playing out against good teams. Yeah, And do they have the players? Well, we face the same teams domestically. Celtic style is so much more ingrained about the build-up. Well, they go more direct. And in Europe, against good teams, they go direct, but Celtic try to play out. So uh, you kind of go, actually, well, Celtic might have a bit of rustness in, in stopping a team from playing out. Rangers will have them. Just as, or if more rustiness in trying to play out. So I kind of think, based on that, while they have like players are a bit more like Raskin and Cantwell and maybe even Tillman that you think were decent on the ball, like the back four is terrible on the ball. Yeah. And I, so I, I, I think they will revert back to going a bit more direct again um, because of that. Because honestly, I can't see them getting much luck in in playing out against. Celtic, especially if you add Ivata to that midfield tree, yeah. like him, Gerga and O'Reilly, there's a lot of legs there in terms of pressing. You know, combined with, <laughs> um, with Mayeda and, and Kyogo as well. And then if it's you know if if it's Jota uh, on the right or Haksabanovic, well, Haksabanovic didn't have a great game against Moldova. I thought he was good out of possession. He, he, like, he pressed a lot. He's, he ran for the ball. So he, if it's Jota or Haxabanovich, I think you will get a lot of running and in, in out of possession as well. So I, I'll think to go back to hoofball and, and try to go a lot more direct, to be honest. <laughs> Dear hoof. Um, unbelievable.
0: <laughs> uh, Christian, uh, pleasure as always. Uh, we will see you on the review on Tuesday. great stuff from Christian there, um, giving us a lowdown on how Rangers are going to play uh, and uh, what we can do to counter that uh, we've got uh, the presser audio, uh, I've cut up the, the audio into five different clips um, there was a lot of questions, uh, kind of repeated questions about uh, I see, uh, you know how we're at Hamden and all that <laughs> what's that, you know what I mean that, that one of the questions essentially was nah, I mean, innit <laughs> it's like, okay, okay. crowds, innit what you think of that? And I'm just like, yeah, I've, I've mentioned before how, you know, the crowds are, but it's no like, because you know how when you play at home, there isn't any crowds in it? <laughs> like, literally, that was like, fuck me, man. So, I, I cut that out, and uh, we've got, I've, you know, made it, I think it was like 15, 16 minutes, and I've succinctly cut it down to five clips. Uh, let's get the first one uh, on, and uh, we can chat about it. Scottish Cup semi-final weekend, how much are you looking forward to going back to Hamden for this one?
3: Yeah, look, um, obviously uh had a, a few trips now and uh you know all, they've all been memorable occasions um yeah i guess uh, even when you're not successful it's still uh, memorable for one reason or another so um and you know it's uh, as you said cup semi-final we're getting to that uh, point of the year where things get decided so uh first thing is we're part of it which is the main thing and uh now it's up to us to sort of get to get to the next stage it is that
1: 50-50 split of fans on Sunday as well. How important is it that they create a great atmosphere and make it memorable for the right reasons as well?
3: Yeah, I think they do. You know, they, they, you know I certainly felt it at the, at the cup final and, um, yeah, looking for, for some of the same. Um, yeah, it's going to be a you know, great colour and a um, you know, great atmosphere. I'm sure uh, you know both sets of fans are, are looking forward to it and uh, I guess we just got to do our bit and, and make sure that we, um, you know, put on a good football match that, uh, as you say, is memorable for the right reasons. Firstly, just your
1: uh, team news uh, in terms of the the weekend.
3: Yeah, um, uh, from last week, everyone got through unscathed and uh, Abada, Jota and Ray have trained all week, so they're available. Um, Forest is probably another week or so away.
0: Don't you think the framing of that question about um, the fans uh will have a thing for all the right reasons. Like, is instead of framing it like here's one of the showcases of Scottish football that that was being framed as if, ah, here's a showcase, but the fans in it they could go mental, it's fucking wild, man. They just have no. Uh, anyway, thoughts.
1: You'd like you'd like the people that report on Scottish football to have some interest in promoting the game without sort of preempting something that's not even happened yet. Um no I, I think it will be I think it will be a good atmosphere. Um I think you know it's a showpiece occasion, it's something you should be talking up and sort of not leaning into the, the negatives of it. Um, you know, there is obviously issues, there's there will be plenty of bio coming from there, end, I've no doubt, but you know, it doesn't really interest me. I don't think it interests Ange Bostokoglu either. Um, you know, there's so many interesting like, details and wrinkles to this game. and um, The Celtic side and season as a whole, you know, you're going into a showpiece occasion and, you know, with the chance to essentially get very, very close one hand on a, another sort of treble. Um, you know, there's so many interesting elements to the game. Um, I, I don't know why you're sort of preempting sort of atmosphere and the fans and um, sort of snidely snidely sort of implying that um, they won't be behaving themselves and I don't know why you'd be asking the Celtic manager that either because um, in my experience or certainly in recent derbies or whatever I don't think there's been anything really from the Celtic fans that you know could be called out or or be seen as particularly distasteful or anything like that so no um, I think question itself is probably indicative of the wider view of Scottish media towards football fans in general. It's weird that they cover a sport that they, they seem to have such disdain for You know the, the people that sort of keep the game running and who are essentially the, the lifeblood of the game. Um, and they're always viewed in this sort of sneering, oh, you better behave yourself kind of way. But that doesn't surprise me at this stage. But it's frustrating because again, I you know I really like Scottish football and, and champion it, and you know like a lot of us do. And um, it doesn't help when you've got people within your own media constantly making you know little snipes about fans or whatever. When there's plenty of interest, you know that's there in the game that you could easily push that angle.
0: Exactly, can't agree more. Um, Callum, uh, Hatati Abada Jota available. What's your favourite um A-A-Rog song? Live from the Brazen. Film. <laughs> um, Is it the
1: oh, fucking you've put, put, me, put me on the spot. Um, I was going to say local ambush, but I'm pretty sure that's uh, on the other one that's not live. In the brain and head. Yeah. Um. I No. It was good to see. Weird to see John in there during the week. Um. I kind of like that. He's a he's a bit of a funny character. Um. <laughs> funny. Apparently he's total as well and doesn't drink. Um. And I was reading that someone said they just looked up on Celtic bars, like what what the closest Celtic pub was to them and and uh rocked up. So no, that was fantastic. It's good to it's just nice when you see players that sort of make an effort to try and understand the club and the fan base yeah. and and whatever. Um no, so it it was nice to see in that, you know, for me if he's even close to fit, he has to start on uh, on Saturday, you know, out of out of the three players that we have that we could potentially throw in and risk, I think Jota, you know, despite, I think, Real he's being really key to that midfield, I just don't think our wingers have functioned well um, in recent weeks. Um, I don't think Haxabanovich has looked good on the right. Um, it doesn't suit him. You know, the way he receives the ball, you know, he, he's not going to go down the line. He's not got the pace to do that. It just sort of leaves him really limited in terms of the options of the ways he can move the ball. Um, so I think Jota is a real key one. And um, I think he's also shown, in, you know, this season that he's a real big game player, uh, and he takes a, a lot of responsibility and really steps up, steps up to the plate all the time. Um, I think he's become sort of a real unexpected leader in this side as well. Yeah, uh, for such a young guy, um, you know, willing to take responsibility and step up in big moments, and uh, for me that will be vital on Sunday. Um, but you know, I wouldn't be averse to playing Hitati. Uh, either a bad or um, great option to have off off the bench. Um, you know, always good for a go against them. Um but I think we need to be careful of not chucking in too too many, you know, players just returning from injury. I think could probably get away with two, um at least one. But um I let's see, I think Jot is a, the, the key one for me.
0: Yeah, I, I can agree. I think I can agree more. I think Jota is the one I would be looking at. I'm a big Haksabanovic guy. I think, you know, there's a lot of us in the cynic that like Um But I think you're right. I think on the right-hand side, it nullifies him a little bit. So, you know, he'd be good to bring on maybe 60 minutes, you know, uh, really kind of bring something different and special that can really kind of, they, they might not be able to deal with. Uh, let's go to our second clip. This is
1: about expectation from Rangers. Boo! You're obviously on a great run against Rangers and five unbeaten. Um, Do you expect them to to try and change anything in their approach, either tactically or in terms of team selection? Or do these teams know each other so well at this stage that it's quite hard to to spring any surprises?
3: No, look, I think, you know, every, every sort of contest is different Uh, there's different sort of context around it you know whether it's league home or away whether it's a cup final or a cup semi-final I think you know they're all sort of separate entities in their own right and um Yeah, from our perspective, we're expecting them to be, uh, to be strong. You know, that's how we go into every game. Um, we expect the opposition to be at their best. And, um, yeah, at their best, they've got some very good individuals that could, uh, you know, cause problems. And, and they're, you know, they've been a very consistent team as well in terms of results. Um, so, like every other game, we, we go in there and, um, you know, respect the opponent, but ultimately know that, um, you know, it's up to us to play our football. And we know when we've done that this year, um, and last year we had to stop
0: we respect their opponent but also get so far fucking up them uh, I wish you'd said that um, you know with that kind of he it, it sounds quite positive like is, is it me or does Ange sound really like positive and really G'd up
1: I think he sounds calm and in control um, and I'm sure that's what will be feeding into to the players as well um, we know that if we go out there and play our game um you know, like Alistair Johnson said a few weeks ago, nobody in Scotland can touch us. Um and I hope he's constantly relaying that sort of calmness and that message to the players throughout the week. Um, you know, he's very respectful of them, that's what you want from a from from a manager. Don't give them anything that they can latch on to as an extra bit of motivation or, or so on. Um, you know, the the amount of stuff that's came out of their camp in the past month or so leading up to various derbies. Um, you know, I don't think there's extra motivation needed for football players going out on such a big occasion, but it does help, and it's nice to turn around and be able to point at it after uh, after you beat them. So, no, I think it shows the shows the experience that Ange has that he doesn't get drawn into any of that, and he's always very respectful to to whoever we're playing. Um, but no, I think we turn up and do the business. I think we'll be really hard to touch, and I think the, you know. It, as the question alluded to, Rangers are still sort of looking for that formula to not even beat us, but to to even get close to us. And I thought, you know, the last game was a little bit tighter, but I think watching it back, yeah, there's still a clearly dominant, Celtic are clearly the more dominant side. Um, you know, I saw Kevin Thompson this morning. Um, well, wearing his tracksuit from his kids' youth academy uh, <laughs> that he coaches at, saying that they just essentially need to kick Celtic more. Um, Kevin so,
0: Thompson said that. My God, that's...
1: he said that they need to be rough and aggressive and getting about them. But I, the, the subtext was essentially put them off the park. Um, but you said, you know, he was remember, leaning into the sort of dark arts. Sort
0: of. Remember, uh, remember when Kevin Thompson tried to put someone and broke his leg?
1: Aye tried dive and uh, broke his leg, did he not? He did, yeah. yeah. Aye.
0: Aye, he broke his leg a couple of times. I think maybe that. Maybe if you break your leg that many times, yeah, maybe button it. can't leg. Like, no point in fucking bumping your gums. <laughs> <laughs> Prick. Um, let's say uh, let's go. <laughs> I think we've we've played that very well. Uh, let's go to the third uh, uh, question.
2: Hi, Angie. Obviously, pick your starting eleven based on your your game plan and what you're hoping. You know, you want the team to do. How much does personality come into it in a game like this? That's that's quite chaotic. Are you quite specific about you know what players you pick that that you feel will handle the occasion correctly?
3: You know, to to a certain extent, but I think this group of players now has kind of you know been through these kind of scenarios um, you know, fairly often uh, and. You know, I don't think there's ever been a moment I've thought, well, some you know, players been overawed. I mean, we've we've given debuts to guys in these kind of games, you know, um, last year and this year. You know, guys like, you know, even Elsie Johnson this year. So, you know, I think part of us recruiting players and bringing players in is that we kind of hope they have that sort of character and personality to that they can cope with it. And you know, it's relentless at this club because it happens every week. I know that. Obviously, with the big games, people sort of put extra sort of emphasis on them. But the expectation to perform is there every week for us. And uh, even the slightest blip, like last week, the players know that, you know, they, they can't slip below those standards. So, you know, I think what they sort of go through on a weekly basis and daily basis prepares them for games like this. There'd be no one I'd put out there on Sunday who'd be worried about not being able to handle the occasion.
0: We've had managers in the past who... Throw out completely wild fucking decisions, uh, in, in terms of personnel, in terms of tactics. But you just don't expect like with Ange, it's just like again, it goes back comes back to that trust about knowing that he's going to play the right players that are available in the right situations in the right positions at the right times.
1: Yeah, and I think also the way the way the nature of Ange's side as well is that it's less about individual players. You know, as the system works so well that is slightly more plug and play, um, that it doesn't really, you know, there's no real need as much for the experimentation or curveballs or whatever because, you know, it's complete trust in the system that if we go out and execute it well and execute our game plan, um, then nine times out of ten we'll, we'll win a game of football. Um, but then you do need your big personalities to come through in these games because it is simply more about than, you know, Tactics on a on a board, um, you know, winning your personal battles and being aggressive, but that right controlled aggression, um, which I thought Alistair Johnson was you know really brilliant at in the last derby and, and and really set the tone. Um, you know that's really really important all over the park. You know, complete cliche that you need to sort of earn the right to win your football, but especially in these games where the first. 10, 15, 20 minutes can be, you know, complete chaos yeah. um, from both sides. And you really need to impose yourself in the game. You do that by being physically dominant and first to uh, loose balls and, you know, doing all the, those ugly sides of the parts of the game that then allows you to go out and play your football and get the ball to your more expressive players um, and make you know interesting things happen on the, on the pitch. Um so no, I think I think that sort of controlled aggression will be really, really important tomorrow and it needs to be it needs to come from every player and the way that we press them um right from the from the front line. Um, you know, I was pleased to see Kyogo leave one on Davis a bit in the last start being show sure that we won't be we won't be bullied, but it's about being which I thought he did really well, it's about being cute about it. Um, you know, and, and and not sort of losing any battles. Um but also sort of as soon as possible it's asserting that control over the game. Um the quicker we can get into playing our football and get the ball in the deck and sort of uh, passing it around no, I think that's when we sort of begin to take the sting out of it, and your quality can hopefully show through.
0: It's like for the last like two years, he's curated this character that's like really nice and really respectful, but in reality, he's a prick. Kyogo, you can just tell me leaves. He leaves it in a couple of times over the last couple of games, and it's delightful to see.
1: Aye, I'm sure he gets kicked constantly. You know, in ways that we won't see that off camera and and so on. Um, but that's, we need to to be a, a top top player, you know, they've all got that nasty side and that, that nasty streak to them, even the, even the nicest of players at the top level. They can all mix it a little bit because ultimately you have to, and you have to be able to take care of yourself. Um, so, no, I, I, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to hopefully another big performance from him, you know, now that he's got that sort of almost like scoring run going against Rangers. You know, I think they really struggled to handle his movement. Um, I think while... Jackie Macis in previous derbies, um, presented them with a lot of problems, I thought. Um, I think the, the Kyogo one's much it's much harder to deal with because it's not, you know, it's not a big physical centre forward that you can go and try to win your battles with. He's just so hard to to pick up. Um and as the defender, you know, what I described Ben Davison probably whether it's Conor Goldson or uh, John Souter, you know they're half decent penalty box defenders, but I don't think they want you know players with you know phenomenal movement and whatever. They would much rather been able to kick and header anything and anything that comes in a way. Um, so no, I think he's you know he's been such a huge player and a, a big game player for us, um, you know, and and the full time that he's been here, you know, maybe Champions League campaign aside, but I think he, again, he has another opportunity to go out and sort of prove that he has you know. Right right up there in that conversation of, you know, best since lapsing. Um, I think uh, another another goal or two tomorrow will certainly do
2: him no harm in that regard.
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, two more clips to go, let's say uh, get the last second last one out.
2: If I can go back to the semi final last year, is that a result that still rankles with you at all? Or because you've had, you know, a lot of success before that and since then as well, it's one you've been able to put to bed?
3: You never put those ones to bed, mate, unfortunately. It'd be nice to think that, um, you know, that, that that's how it works. But I think most people, people will tell you, definitely, um, you know, players or, or managers, you, 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 know, the ones that you aren't successful tend to, um, stick in the memory longer than sometimes the ones that, where you are successful. But, um, you know, the, 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 the fact it was that, that on the day, I still thought we performed well. It was a really tight game. We lost an extra time and, you know where we were as a team at that point in time um you know we 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 were sort of really sort of bonded together strongly as a group and and you need to go through these experiences, both good and bad for growth and uh, I think we used that as a sort of growing experience for ourselves to say well okay we we weren't successful on the day, not for the one of trying we we faced a really good opponent at the time, you know. Rangers are on their way to a European final, so it was it was a really strong team. And like I said, we lost an extra time, but you use that as as an opportunity to to develop and learn, and um, but also use it as a source of you know inspiration moving forward to to try and make sure it doesn't happen again.
0: I have to say, I was a little surprised that you kind of talked about that. Usually, because we you know we were talking on the kind of last couple of pods that we've done. It's not something I I did think it would be like that's in the past. Don't worry about it we don't think about it it's fine whereas in reality he's kind of like oh, well it kind of sticks in the crawl a wee bit essentially because you know as much as we're successful you want to kind of you know overdo that kind of come over that you know disappointment from last season are you, are you surprised yourself or maybe that's part of his growth mindset of getting over kind of ex- experiences like that
1: I think it's part of maybe that sort of that mentality need to be at the elite level of, of any any sport um, is sort of to take those losses and de- defeats it and really hold on to them and use them as that sort of extra bit of motivation. You know, I'm sure we've all seen the Michael Jordan documentary that came out a couple of years back where he essentially just invented a reason to be annoyed or, or a comment from a from an opposition player um, as motivation to, you know, go out and, and beat them the following week. Um, You know, all those elements of psychology definitely come into it. Um, I think, you know, with the... The nature of our seasons and how relentless they are, um, you know, and it can be. I think it can be pro- probably difficult to keep constantly motivate yourself to perform to such a high level and keep high standards. Um, you know, I think derby weeks are probably a little bit, a little bit easier. But you know, I don't imagine that it will be particularly easy all the time to continually reach those standards. Um, whether where you've, when you've got you know a Kilmarnock or Motherwell coming up at the weekend or and so on. Um, so I do think that it's about sort of creating those little psychological elements that you can dig into. Um, that sort of. F- Continue to feel you and your improvement and, you know, um, that sort of feeling of defeat that that lasts with you. I think it's important because you don't want to experience it again. Uh, it's, it's not nice, you know, it's not nice for us as fans, but I imagine as a manager and player, it's equally as bad. Um, and it's good to hold it. I, think I, I sort of understand that element of holding on to that a wee bit um, and using that as extra motivation to... Um, you know, to make sure it doesn't happen again but aye, imagine how motivated the Rangers players will be tomorrow to, they have hunters to call on
0: <laughs> Just uh, pulling bits out from here, there and everywhere pathetic aye. pathetic. Um, let's get get the final clip
1: and It's just going to uh, follow up on the, the fact that you've got the, the three players you mentioned back, how big a boost is that for you, not just you know when you're picking your starting team but obviously the
3: potential for this game to go to extra time and the options it gives you off the bench as well. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's hugely uh, beneficial for us as a group. I mean, even training this week, you know, has has gone up 11 because, you know, we've got three more quality players who have joined in training and, uh, you know, all three boys have missed a bit recently. Um, you know, they're sort of itching to, to get involved as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it certainly helps, as you said, not just with the starting 11, but the ability to then sort of, uh, you know, go to the, the bench and, and and impact the game. So um, you know, really pleased that you know I've also got training to go tomorrow, and and you know that they need to get through that. But you know they've had a strong week of training, and um, yeah, you know, pleased that they're available. Yeah, just going go back to the last league game against Rangers, you mentioned I think yourself that you know
1: the, there were a few errors and out on the on the park, but the quality wasn't maybe as high as the excitement levels is that something
3: to do with maybe the, how much is at stake and is that something that maybe your players can learn from but for this one at all? Yeah, look, it, it, it is, I guess, that, that, you know, like I said, what's at stake? And it, it, it's very hard to eliminate that because, you know, um, yeah, human emotions inevitably will take over um, in those kind of situations. But what we've tried to sort of emphasise is that we've, we need to stay clear-headed and focused on what's important to us and what's important to us is to make sure that we're, you know, controlling the game that we, the way we want to and, and play the game on our terms. And you can only do that if, if you can sort of make sure that you're not influenced by sort of other factors. But at the same time, there's, there's going to be passion, there's going to be anxiety, there's going to be nervousness in, in both camps during the game. And it's, you know, it's about trying to minimize the impact that has on, on the performance.
0: Let's say, uh, let's uh, look at um, how you think Celtic are going to line up. So, Callum, uh, big game tomorrow. Uh, How do you... Obviously, there's two elements to this. Who do you want Celtic to play? Who do you think Celtic will play? Um, Obviously, uh, Hatati, Jota, Abada all seem to be available. The only one that's not going to be available is uh, James Forrest, and it's very unlikely he would be in the starting 11 anyway. Um, How would you see Celtic lining up?
1: Um, I mean, I think a back five pretty much picks itself. I don't see any... Any room for change um, there, you know, that cent- that centre-back pairing, you know, undefeated domestically in 90 minutes anyway. Um, you know, two full-backs, you know, very, very key to how we, how we play uh, and how we build the game. And, you know, we'll need another big game from, from Greg Taylor tomorrow because I thought he was great at hand them last time. Yeah. Really helped open out the pitch and helped us get us up the park and, um, you know, get the ball into, you know, more dangerous areas. Um and hopefully, you know, we can see a little bit more of that from Alistair Johnson tomorrow, uh, along with that sort of brilliant controlled aggression and one to one defending that you know we know we can do. Um, midfield for me, um, that's, a, that's a tough one. Um, Aaron Moy, I think a few weeks ago, everyone would have been quite happy to start, and he sort of. It's looked almost like a competition man the past few weeks since he's came back from injury, and it's it's, it's bizarre. This sort of changing, changing form, um, and it's sort of dovetailed with uh, Matt O'Reilly. I think has is, is really came onto a game in you know, recent recent weeks. Um, sort of got a bit of his confidence and swagger back again. Um, you know, far, I think still think he's got levels to go up and I still think he's you know, we've seen him perform better, but he does seem to be sort of on that trajectory um of, of finding his real top form again. And I thought he was good um at Celtic Park against them uh, recently. You know, he does a powder run and he win wins the ball back constantly. Um, you know, he picks up nice pockets of space. Um so I think you want his legs in there. Um and especially with, um, you know, I'd play Hitate, Um, because I think, you know, no one can control and, you know, progress the ball like he can in our midfield. I think he makes a big difference, even if you can only get an hour out of him. And then obviously Callum McGregor. Um, I think Maybe it it's maybe a wee bit harsh on him. I think he's performed pretty well, you know, since he came in, he's sort of very sort of assured, competent performances. But at the same time, it's kind of, you know, with the exception of maybe 20 to 30 minutes at Kilmarnock, it's kind of also you know, aligned with the midfield not being particularly great or functioning quite as well. Um and I'm sure that's something they can work on and, and you know figure out. You know, I don't think it's long term it'll be be an issue. Um but, you know, I've not been convinced by that midfield with him in it so far, despite I think his own individual performances being been, you know, more than okay. So for me, I think he's a great option to have off the bench as well because he provides a bit of solidity and steel when you can bring him in, um, and he can sort of assert a wee bit more control and dominance over that midfield. Um, I thought he did that very well in um, the two recent occasions we played them um, and he gives you a sort of different physical profile that you can bring on as well I don't think we'll get more than an hour out of Hitati anyway with you know, how little football he, he's played um, so that would be the mid- midfield three for me and then uh, a front three um, you, I think you're Jota like I said I think it's really important that, that he plays and it's important that we have someone that can play on that right side that can do it without it seeming a bit Awkward or lopsided. Um, I think you play Dyson on the left. Um, you know, his running is absolutely essential um, for games like this. You know, especially with their you know right back being one of their biggest attacking threats, uh, and then Kyogo through the middle. That's that's what I'd go with anyway. Um, I think Ange will go probably similar as the midfield three. I'm not, I'm not sure about. I think yeah. I think there's a good chance. Why top maybe plays and. Uh, he doesn't risk it at all. Um but like I said, you know, I view this as a sort of real final test and hurdle. Um you know, I, I don't care if you know players are out for weeks or whatever after this. If we've got a final to look forward to, that I'm sure, you know, regardless of what options we have, we'll sort of take care of itself. So, you know, happy to take that risk um because I think it is the sort of final big game that we'll have. Um, you know before the Scottish Cup final hopefully um, so no I, if, if we do need to take that risk and you know it doesn't quite pay off I think I think it's worth it because I think the upside of Hitati and Jota is far higher and I think we haven't looked at our fluid best in, in recent weeks and I think you know I, I think that's been a key component of those sort of performances
0: uh, yeah great points I I would agree with that team I think that's the team I want to see as well when we're um, going to Hamden Um Give me a prediction. doesn't have to be the final scoreline, but just something that's going to happen in the game.
1: Um, another week he'll go double. I think that would be... I think they really struggle to live with his, his movement. Um, I think he's now full of confidence. He thinks he's sort of the man going into these games. Um, I can see him popping up with, a, with another couple of goals. Um, I don't know what the scoreline will be, but I think if we perform to our best, you know, or even close to their best, you know. This team has so much goals in it, and and then you're then looking at Rangers and saying, well, can you score one or two or three against against this Celtic side? You know, I think you know if they'll have to be on the real top form going forward to to get anything out of, the, out of that game. Um, you know, and I'm pretty confident on the back line, but I think aye, um, Keogh for for a, for another double, it would be nice.
0: Beautiful, great stuff, uh, Callum. Enjoy watching the game in, in Berlin, uh, and uh, we'll speak to you very soon, sir.
1: Thank you very much for having me mate
0: God bless uh, From Callum Gordon From myself Chris Gallagher This has been the preview Marn the And we'll speak to you down the road